This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Spear Factor Podcast. Today on the show, I speak with Spear Channel's Nick Watkins. Uh, I discuss with him a little bit about the brand and how it came about and where he plans to take it. And also how he plans to take it there. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show, and I hope you enjoy listening to Nick's story. And as always, we got to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Camira Spearfishing and Binners of the Side Slip. I personally use this product quite a bit, and I believe in it. It's a really, really good product to have in your tools, uh, your little arsenal there for hunting. It basically replaces the slip tips, making it possible for you to hunt around rocks. It's a patent pending design, and it's a Southern California company. Um, if you go to the website, camaraspearfishing.com, uh, that's K-I-M-E-R-A, spearfishing.com, and decide you want to purchase, if you put in the promo code SPEARFACTOR, one word, SPEARFACTOR, you'll get an additional uh, 5% off on your purchase. Uh, try it. And uh, let Rob at uh, Spear Factor know what you think and uh, constantly trying to make the product better, which uh, that's what I like about the company. So uh, that's why uh, we're working together. And also another sponsor is Hot Rod Spear Guns, Paul Rodriguez. Uh, I've used Paul's guns, hunting dogs down in Micronesia and also down in Baja. And I gotta say, you can't beat that gun for the price it's an amazing gun as well as the breakaway gun that he just developed is incredible it's a true blue water breakaway gun that is smaller or roughly about the same size as a set of fins Um, check out hot rod spear guns at hotrodspearguns.com other sponsors include los bigotes the mustaches apparel company I've worked with them for a few years now. Really good group of dudes. Check out their website, losbigotes.com, and see the shirts and hats and uh, Hawaiian shirts. Good stuff they got. 
And our last sponsor is One Drop Spearfishing. Basically, an environmentally minded group of guys that love to dive, live and breathe it, but their whole focus is feeding friends and family and enjoying their time in the water. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, Solid group of guys. And uh, check out their website, One Drop Spearfishing. Check them out on YouTube, One Drop Spearfishing. And if you yourself wanted to be a supporter of the show, you can head over to our Patreon page at patreon forward slash spear factor any support will be much appreciated now let's get started with the show all right so today on spear factor we have nit watkins from the spear channel you guys have seen him uh in his uh instagram page and putting media out to uh the community so do you mind like first the people that don't haven't seen it which there's probably not that many people that haven't seen your instagram page but um, do you mind kind of telling me like the whole like the mindset behind it and the whole plan behind the Spear Channel? Um, yeah, so I started Spear Channel when I was in college, like my senior year at UCF University of Central Florida. And uh, from, you know, pretty much out of nothing, I'd worked a little bit doing like social media marketing type stuff with a buddy of mine, um, creating like an audience and, uh, you know, figuring out how to build and grow stuff. So I wanted to do something that was more like up my alley that had to do with my interests. And I grew up in South Florida, uh, fishing and surfing and spearfishing. Um, so I like looked into like what was already existing and uh, what was out there. And I was like, I saw kind of like a gap for like a spearfishing thing that was like fun, but like put together a little bit more professionally, um, executed with a little bit of strategy. So uh, I was in the library with my buddy Derek and uh, together him and I came up with a, a logo like couple minutes and tossed it up and just started going at it um and then everything kind of just like took off from there like it was so encouraging seeing like uh new followers roll in or people commenting or tagging their friends and stuff um so i just like was like okay i gotta just like keep learning and getting better at it like figure out how to grow more um so i started like reading a lot of blogs and listening to podcasts and just doing everything i could to try to like inform myself on how to build like a community on social media and from there it just kind of took off uh, I didn't really expect it to grow like it did uh, and it definitely got like ahead of me um, there's like a, a hard point where like you're trying to figure out okay well like I spend so much time doing this um, what do I do next like do I turn it into a full-time job how do I monetize it etc uh, so a lot of challenges that come along the way uh, but been rolling with the punches changing ideas always uh, trying to come up with, you know, better ideas or better ways to, you know, build value for like everyone involved. Um, that's kind of been my goal is just uh, to build a community for everyone, not just like sell out and sell t-shirts or like just sell, start an online shop or something. Like I wanted it to be something more that was for everyone, like to help everyone out. Uh, so obviously that's still a work in progress. You still will look up spiritchannel.com and it'll just be a landing page. So uh, still working on it. So, um, would you say like your in game is basically like trying to do what the guys that surf, like what Surfline did, and we talked a little about this before, what kind of Surfline did for surfing, where it was like basically the New York Times of uh surfing and any kind of information you needed, all the latest stuff and all the weather reports and all that stuff was all centrally located at that website. Would you yeah. say that's kind of what you're trying to do? 
Uh, I'd say it's like along the lines of that. I mean, there's so many like avenues you can go. Um, there's so many like resources that people who want to get into spearfishing or people that are already into spearfishing uh, could use right now. And I'd love to just have it all in one place. I mean, that was like the original goal was just to create like a hub that was for everything spearfishing. Um, and that it turns out it's a lot harder to create than you would think. Um, as far as like building out a custom site to do all the things that like I always dreamt of Spirit Channel being able to do. Um, but yeah, I pretty much, I just wanted it to be a place where anyone could find anything that they needed and just be a one-stop shop for like any information. Everything's free. Like you can go there and you can get whatever information. You can read articles. You can be inspired. You can learn how to do new things, etc. And it's not like anything that would step on other people's toes. Like Spirit Channel wouldn't exist for people without like people that create content and do all this cool stuff and i can't do it all myself um i'm i'm definitely not qualified to do it all myself so i wanted spirit channel to be a place where everyone from the spirit vision community could come together collaborate bring ideas and create tons of content and just have this media hub where like everything is existing there and then in in the past like year um i started to realize one important thing is uh, kind of like preserving the history behind spearfishing and um, you know, what it was and what it is today and the evolution of the sport, um, if you want to call it a sport. But uh, so with that, it came to me that I was like, well, this should also be like kind of a way to immortalize spearfishing um, as far as like content goes, because there's so many cool magazines and articles and Skin Diver magazine. I was around like the 50s or 60s or like long before I was born. Um, and then, you know, current magazines and stuff like that that exist and they come and go. Uh, they end up, you know, sitting on some shelf or in a garage and no one gets to hear those stories again. Uh, and I didn't want that stuff to be lost. You know, uh, I think all that stuff is stuff we can learn from and be entertained by. And it's also like so cool to look back and see what spearfishing was like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, so I think now like uh, the, the ultimate goal is obviously to create, you know, a very valuable resource for everyone that's into spearfishing, but also to kind of preserve the history of spearfishing in, you know, an updated like tech based platform. Um, where it will always exist. It'll always be a digital archive for everything that's happened in spearfishing. Oh, 100%. So it's kind of like when you're, you know, nowadays with everything, they, they just bring everything over that was written into digital, and then you can Google it. And I've even noticed, like, when I try to find an old article from a magazine that I read from 1998 or 97, and... uh I don't have that magazine anymore. I can't find it. And I tried to Google it. Like that article is gone. It's just yeah. gone. And it was a really cool, unique article that I was trying to read uh, to find out some information on something. It's just gone. And it's a shame that that happens. And it's like, I almost thought that maybe the people that created the magazines would have gone more digital themselves and kept, you know, more backlogs. And if the ones that did like just, I don't know, make everything more user-friendly. And like you said, I think the big thing was put everything in a hub so you don't have to go to 10 different websites that you don't know of because you can't remember everything. It would be great. Um, yeah. If, yeah. It's, what are it's, some issues that you've had? Because you talked about issues. Like other than building the site, which I have experience with, we almost got divorced over it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to build a website. Uh just being pissed off all the time trying to uh, figure it out. But uh, so what were some issues that you had uh, with your idea and trying to execute it? 
Um, I mean, one thing obviously is just like the cost of doing it. Like everyone just assumes uh, websites are simple. Like you buy a Shopify theme and you start writing or Weebly or Wix or whatever. Uh, but if you want a website that can do all the things you want to do without restrictions, um, you have to custom code it. So like probably four years ago, I met my buddy Michael, um, who you know I'm teamed up with to try and bring you know the idea to life. And it's just such like a complex idea and ideas are always changing and like everything's built around the, the audience that exists on social media. So it all depends on that audience. And, you know, OK, like we wanted to have, you know, articles on there. Well, Facebook rolls out a feature where you can just write articles and put them on there, too. So it's like uh, you're in a race against other uh, tech companies so social media uh, that's evolving. And then you're also trying to build something that doesn't exist for, uh, you know, something that you've done like you have nothing to really base it off of like spearfishing and surfing there's a lot of similarities um same goes with fishing but to build a platform that can like satisfy the needs of both isn't like just a turnover thing and also like you can't just copy someone's code and steal their website and just have like a fully functioning site um so yeah that's that's pretty tough so it's a lot it's labor intensive and like you could ask michael the amount of like lines of code that he has currently uh is insane um, and then also the cost that comes with it, like everyone's like, oh, my God, like you must make so much money with Spear Channel. And I'm like, no, nah, it's really my passion project. Like I have other business projects that I work on that pay bills and do that stuff. Um, Spear Channel, I never wanted to sell out. So like now you're at this point where like you've got server costs and you've got to pay for like Gmail and all this other little things. So all these little costs that add up that you're just like eating yourself. Um, and you're, you're not really paying attention to it cause it's a passion thing. Like it's just money that gets drawn out of a bank account at this point. And I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's worth it. Uh, eventually it'll go towards it. But yeah, I mean, uh, the monetization of, of it, uh, making everyone happy, becoming a legitimate source versus just being a, a social media outlet. They're all little, little obstacles that are, uh, you know, things that need to be overcame. Um, even like putting myself out there and trying to put a face to the brand and, uh, the people that are working on it behind the scenes is even tough because it's like, I mean, you're experiencing the same thing. You have a full-time job and you get off and uh, you probably want to hang out with your, your family and do that stuff or go diving yourself. Uh, but instead you're spending this time trying to build something. Uh, so it's a, it's a slow road, but uh, I'm in it for the long haul for sure. And I'm excited for whatever gets put together. Okay. Well, it's, it's funny. You don't even think about it because that's what you love to do and that's your passion. How would you make money with your Instagram or besides your Instagram? So two questions, I guess. How would you make money? You talk about monetizing as far as advertising things and like that, I guess, is where you would mainly make your money. And then also besides um, Instagram and your website, you said you're working on what other uh, ideas and directions are you taking Spirit Channel into? Um, so, I mean, like the monetization thing, like I said, is tough and like. I, from the start, I wanted it to be like more legitimate. I wanted to take the knowledge. Like I spent four years in college learning digital marketing. Um, and, uh, I learned like how marketing businesses work and, and all that stuff. I learned all the ins and outs and like where the value lies. And if you're advertising online, you know, your CPMs or your cost per clicks or this and that. Um, so I mean, I wanted it put together like where it was just like you can advertise through Facebook. You can also advertise through Spear Channel. I'll crunch the numbers at the end of the campaign and we'll show you exactly like what that value is based on industry standards. Uh, what I found was that a lot of people in the industry 
uh, don't have experience with stuff like that. And uh, pitching that to them just sounds like absolute gibberish. Um, talking about CPMs and this and that. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, you're just social media page. Like, how much for a shout out or this or that? And I like, I wanted to do everything like professionally and like I wanted people to see the results and I wanted to be able to build off the results to create more value and, and you know, really like kill it on helping companies out. Um, and what I ended up finding actually is uh, the best way to make money and the reason why I don't have like a normal nine to five job, I have a, a marketing business that I run is I used Spear Channel to get marketing clients in the diving industry, fishing industry, boating industry, et cetera. And I built out a marketing business on the side and I used Spear Channel as, you know, like that's my baby. Like that's what, that's how I learned how to grow audiences and that's how I test new strategies and building stuff. Um, and I used that kind of as a way to uh, create a full-time job for myself so that I could support doing this stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, the monetization thing, like I said, is like a is is a tough thing because uh, the spearfishing industry uh, isn't as advanced as a lot of other industries in you know the sense of digital marketing. Um, whereas if you talk to like normal e-commerce business owners, they're like on the cutting edge of like this is the new thing, this is the best way this to sell stuff online. We're doing YouTube ads, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, whatever. Uh, if you tell people in the spearfishing industry about that, they're like, ah, we boosted a post on Facebook once or twice and the results were okay, so we stopped. Um, so it's, it, it's been a tough sell, uh, but monetization-wise, I never really focused on it like uh, full throttle uh, at all, really. Um, when a business comes to me and they say, hey, like we want to you know, amplify our exposure and we want to you know, feature our stuff on your channel, I'll work with them to the best of my abilities and like they get a ton of free access to all the knowledge I've built up over five years of doing digital marketing now in the spearfishing industry. Um, and I help them out doing that stuff. But I mean, moving forward, like I said, I'd like to create a kind of a 365 degree uh, or 360 degree uh, value for everyone where businesses can come to us and they want access to uh, customers uh, in the spearfishing industry and they want to do it at an affordable cost with someone who has a lot of experience doing it. Uh, customers uh, are there for the entertainment value and the creators are there creating that entertainment. Um, and I want to create something, you know, ultimate goal is to be able to fund people to continue to create content and do cool stuff. Um, advertise good quality products to those audiences and give honest feedback on them and help the businesses and brands and everyone kind of keeps each other in business and happy um, and it's all online and it also funds that that main goal which is the, the passion I think of, of Spear Channel as a whole is kind of immortalizing what spearfishing is um, immortalizing it so it's always able to look up this article from that year or find this information or look up how to hunt this species in that area I mean, ultimately, I'd like to be able to create a business that creates enough money to support that and to support a full team um, that creates awesome content, that supports the creators, that advertises quality products, that helps out the businesses and does it at a reasonable cost where everyone wins. Um, but doing that is a, is a lot easier said than done. Uh, and I've definitely learned that over the past four, five years of doing it. Yeah, it definitely seems like um, like you brought up a couple of good points. Number one, you said you're in it for the long haul. And, um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. I, I mean, I I really feel like the spearfishing industry is is we're so blue, we're a, kind of our own worst enemy in the sense that we're so blue collar. And so like we are and, and I throw myself in there 100 percent. But like 
what you're talking about. Modern day marketing. We are not businessmen. We're inventors. We are simpletons. <laughs> some of some of the guys are businessmen, and they tend to do for fairly well because they enter a pool full of people that um, you know are pretty simple, and we just want to live simple. We just want to hunt fish and shoot fish and have a good time. Most of the people have real jobs, um, but then you insert a couple of as the like. I guess it's just a product of the generation. You insert a bunch of young guys that love spearfishing, but they're armed with this already knowledge. And it's like they come out guns blazing. And it's going to be really exciting to see how this whole industry itself develops in the next 20 years. Um, because it's, you know, with the history of spearfishing, like it was really popular in the 60s, 50s. And 60s, and there was, like you said, there was Skin Diver Magazine. And then all of a sudden it just kind of went away. It was weird. Um, and it went underground and the guys were still like Terry Moss were still doing their thing. And then all of a sudden this explosion that happened probably due to social media, I mean, mostly, and the tuna here in California, it started like a gold rush. Everybody wanted to get, you know, a giant bluefin and it was like in our backyard, everybody started spearfishing and everything started growing. And it was like, wow, um, wouldn't it be cool to get on this at least like the second floor, maybe not the first floor, um, and share with everybody. And it seems like that's what you're trying to do, and it's exciting, and it's like it. Um, this there's enough of this pie for everybody. Like I, I have encountered other people where they're like, you can tell they're kind of like, ah, uh, they you know they're more like I don't know, sharky kind of. <laughs> they just they yeah. they don't want you know. And then on the flip side, uh, like for example, the Noob Spiro guys, they're like, there's enough for this for everybody. It's you know, um, and. He, they've helped me a lot and my friend john from cast and spear like we're all trying to blow this whole thing up together um what's his face ali from uh or who is it uh from bloodydex.com that's kind of what he's done mm-hmm. and i'd love to see something like that for spearfishing and yeah uh, a win-win for everybody like you're talking about win-win for the products win-win for the manufacturers win-win for the people to get that data and the information and a community where we can just like kind of BS back and forth and learn stuff. Um, so w- what do you think your next step is in all of this? Um, it's definitely finishing, <laughs> finishing the website. I mean, it's like, it's so hard. Uh, I'm not a website guy. Like I'm a, I'm on the side of digital marketing, like the creative side, um, more of, so I don't really know exactly what goes into coding and building out a website. Um, and I trust, uh, that Michael does know exactly what he's doing. He's built some crazy, incredible things, um, in the past. And I know once he's done, it's going to be, it's going to be fucking cool. Um, and I mean, so that, that is the next thing. Um, and then the thing that goes along with that is obviously like, creating both a team and creating uh, a strategy to do what I said, like to, to create value for everyone, uh, but also to be able to provide revenue for a business uh, like Screw Channel to survive um, because it simply can't survive. Like I don't want to put my hand out for money and, and say, Hey, like, you know, everyone, everyone donate 50 cents a, a month uh, to keep me doing what I do because I don't, I don't need that. Um, I think that contribution from the community is in the content and in the engagement and doing all that stuff in general, like the spirit channel cool. wouldn't exist without the community. Um, but there is a point where I think, um, and I, it is happening slowly, but surely, but, um, once a lot of these, uh, businesses start to understand and they have started to realize because 
if you look five, six years ago, who had social media pages and who has social media pages now and who's active on them and taking advantage of it, um, it's a massive difference. So uh, I think uh, people are starting to catch on uh, to the value of social media, digital media, websites, et cetera. Um, and I think if, you know, the brands and the consumers and media outlets uh, like Spear Channel can all get along and um, can all come to a, a an awesome uh, kind of like crux, I guess uh, would be the word, where everyone's happy, everyone's getting some value out of it. Uh, I think that's like where the magic is going to happen. And I can't wait for that point to happen. Uh, I want to build like a team out. If anyone out there is like an awesome sales guy or has like some cool value, you know, uh, to build into what Spirit Channel is, like I would love to put together a team. Like one of the biggest, most difficult things of Spirit Channel has just been like doing it on my own for the most part. Um, lacking someone to kind of light a fire under your ass and uh, kick stuff into gear or hold you accountable for things. Um, so, yeah, I, would, I think the next step is probably building a team to, to get the the dreams built you know like uh i feel like i've got yeah i've got i've got the the engine built out and you know we've got two people um but i think at this point what we need is you know like some fuel to toss in that engine and to really scale it up and like there's so many awesome creators and people with great ideas out there um i think it just uh needs a, a little bit of uh shaping up and a little bit of organization, maybe someone with more experience than me. Like I'm a 26-year-old guy that's never had a legitimate full-time job. Um, I've always, I, I've always like had my own businesses or created my own little gigs. Um, so there's so much that I still have to learn about, like running an organization or doing anything like that. Um, so I mean, I think uh, a, a key piece to anything moving forward would be having like a, a great team built around Sphere Channel. Yeah, well, you're a lucky guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much better than corporate America, uh, speaking from experience. But um, you have so much flexibility when you're in that situation, too, you know. Um, uh, but I understand what you're saying. I could see what you're saying, where there's that line that crosses between uh, getting basically money coming out and money and not just money, but time and not getting anything back. I, I've just always been like a, a firm believer in like working hard, uh, not like having your hand out. Like everyone has the capability to, to make money. Um, like literally anyone can be a doctor or a lawyer, like with enough hard work or effort. So I hate the idea of like ever asking like companies for money or like overvaluing, um, what I do. So like my motto in like Spear Channel and like my marketing business has always been like, um, kind of like undersell and overprovide basically like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to absolutely exceed that, but like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want people to work with Spear Channel or work with my marketing business and come out of that being like, holy shit, like that was an amazing experience and create like a lifelong mutually beneficial relationship versus like, I mean, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. Like I work with brands, you know, managing the influencer marketing stuff and where we paid people and we get a post and we don't sell anything or we don't get any benefit out of it. Um, and then they just drop off and we never talk to them again. They just ran off with a hundred, five hundred dollars, whatever it might be. Um, and we're just like, damn, that kind of sucked. Um, and I never wanted to be like on the flip side of that with Screech like I never want to take money from a company and not provide the results. And like I've literally ran like ad campaigns with companies where if I wasn't pleased with the results, I'd say like, don't pay me. I don't, I don't want your money because I know we can do better and I can do better. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, like, I just, I never want to have my hand out. I know 
that the value is there. It just takes uh, time to prove that. Well, that's awesome. You have a good value system, at least, and that should serve you well. I feel like, you know, like, um, you know, with sales, there's a little bit of sales too. And it's like, uh, if you believe in the product, you don't have to ask, like you're saying, you don't have to set, the product will sell itself if I, if you truly think it's good. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the only thing you have to do is share it with people and tell them that it's, you know, and, and so once they see it and they get exposed to it, it will sell itself. They'll get it. You got to be a little stubborn, I guess, in this game too, you know, just believe in yourself a hundred percent. Yeah. I think uh, in just today's day and age in general, you just got to keep plugging away. Like, uh, I know a lot of people that have tried to get in on like the YouTube craze and create a channel. Um, and I've seen like 95% of those people flop, you know, they just, they, they're like, oh, I'm not getting the subscribers I want, or I'm not building the audience or no one's watching my videos. And they just quit. Um, and it's like a lot of these things, like it comes with time. You just gotta stick it out. Uh, you gotta be resilient and, um, you know, be happy about the people that are watching the videos or listening to the podcast or engaging with the stuff. Um, don't worry about the people that are looking at your competitors or that aren't listening. Like just, just keep working and keep your head down. Um, and people are going to take notice. And I mean, like Ryan, uh, Myers, like most, one of the most badass dudes in the world. Um, he's been plugging away at YouTube for like the last year and a half or something like that. And now it's catching over the last few months and he's crushing it and he's like so excited about it. And it's, uh, it's all it was, was just persistence. It's just like keeping at it. Um, and a lot of uh, businesses, a lot of ideas, a lot of, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, influencers or this or that, uh, they don't survive just because uh, they gave up. And uh, I'm not going to give up on uh, doing on the spirit channel stuff, yeah. that's for sure. It's like what Gary Vee says, just put content out and it'll get better. And yeah, you mentioned Ryan Myers. Like, it seems like every other day he's putting a new video out and uh, all of them are great. And you can see his genuine stoke for spearfishing and he comes across like a very genuine person. Um, I've never met him, but you can see that he just loves what he does and it comes across. And then, so you want to check it out. It's the same thing with Daniel Mann. Yeah. Like just putting stuff out and you're like, man, I am really enjoying watching this and you root for him, you know, because you know the effort and the, and the time it takes to go into it. But those guys are just going for it. Um, yeah. I Daniel, love that, yeah, love that shit. Daniel's been doing it for longer than than most people in the spearfishing stuff, and he just hit like 100k subscribers on YouTube and stuff like yeah. that. And, he's, and every single video, if you watch, it's like I've been watching his stuff since probably before, I don't even know. Um, but I watch it every week still. Like while I'm doing my work, I just put his episodes on when he drops a new episode. Um, and like I mean, that dude's been plugging away with it. Every episode is better. Like the the quality of like the footage and like his editing skills and all of that. He just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Um, and I mean, that's what it takes to to grow something crazy cool like that. Like Ryan, great example of someone that's just started to like come up with the YouTube stuff. Daniel has been plugging away at it for so long, and now it's all paying off. Um, and it's it's so cool to see because those guys 100% deserve it. I mean, they're amazing at creating content. They spend so much time doing it uh they absolutely deserve uh anything that great that comes their way you know yeah i had a great chat with uh daniel when he was on the podcast too and again it was like 100 percent genuine good dude you know 100 percent like and so it's great to see him just keep putting out content and keep succeeding it's awesome i uh, we talked about spirit channel but i mean you're a diver yeah <laughs> how, did, how, how did you get into that 
Um, so I grew up in South Florida, like uh, Hollywood, which is between Fort Lauderdale and Miami, but I just tell everyone I'm from Fort Lauderdale because it's easier that way. Um, but I grew up uh, fishing. You know, my dad is like a second generation fisherman. He always would take me fishing. We lived on the water, et cetera. Um, and I was always hooking line stuff, uh, offshore, mahi, et cetera, um, inshore snook and tarpon and whatnot, down the canals and in the inlets and whatnot. So my buddy was like, uh, I think I was like probably 14 or 15. Uh, was like, I met these kids, uh, they go spearfishing. I was like, holy, that's sick. Like they go do that stuff. So my buddy gets a yellow pole spear. I didn't have anything. We went out to the spot off the beach. I didn't shoot anything, but it was the coolest thing ever. Like go to some Marine flea market, uh, with my dad, like a few weeks later and convince him to buy me a spear gun. My mom's all mad at him. Like, why would you buy him a gun? <laughs> um, I was like, it's a spear gun. Uh, and, and from that point on, just started diving off the beach. Um, would get out and make my dad drop us in the water whenever we got the chance. Uh, and just started to get, you know, just get in the water and experience it all. And like YouTube was like in its infancy then. Um, I remember watching like Google videos or whatever before Google even bought YouTube and whatever videos existed on YouTube and uh, trying to like learn what these guys were doing or where they were going or like find the spots or the depths or just how they were shooting fish um, and learning from that stuff. And that's how I, that's how I really got started into spearfishing um, right here in South Florida where I'm still at now. So what are your, what's your favorite type of uh, hunting that you guys do out there? I mean, you run offshore, I'm assuming, right? Like pretty far dive. We'll, we'll go out and like look for mahi and stuff. Um, depending on the time of year, go look for Wahoo. I've, I don't even want to talk about Wahoo because I just got the worst luck with it. I'm sure that'll come in sometime in the podcast where I'll tell you how horrible I am. Um, but yeah, my, my favorite type is probably hunting the wrecks here. Uh, Florida, all the way up the coast, but especially South Florida has like an insane amount of wrecks, uh, super popular for ecotourism and whatnot, but they're also amazing to hunt on. Um, and these wrecks just hold so much life. Like it's, there's grouper on the bottom, goliaths, blacks, um, you've got sharks circling, you've got schools of African pompano, permit, the occasional wahoo that'll swim through, you've got kingfish, like it's just this amazing culmination of sea life uh, in one spot. And I mean, you can hunt wrecks as shallow as, you know, 40 feet out to there's wrecks in 200, 300 feet. Um, and that's definitely my favorite type of hunting. Uh, but I don't think I'll ever get tired. I mean, literally go out and do whenever I have the chance of just diving 15 to 30 feet going looking for lobster, hogfish, uh, grouper, muttons, etc. just in the shallow stuff. Uh, and it's a blast. Like that's still probably one of my favorite things, but I'll say for South Florida, it's definitely hunting the wrecks. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. What What's the water temp like down in South Florida? Does it stay consistent throughout the year? You're gonna you're gonna hate me because you're in California, but it's it's yeah. it's hot, dude. Like it's in the mid to upper 80s during the summer. Lowest it'll wow. get maybe 70s, uh, depending on where you're at. Uh, ocean conditions, like you'll have a thermocline where it does get cold sometimes. Um, but like 95% of the time, I'm diving in a one and a half millimeter wetsuit. Oh, nice, so, nice. If that gives you what an fish? Idea. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. I just got done going to Baja and it was about 80. Uh, in the in the lower 80s and it was just so nice to dive yeah. you know uh, 
So when the water, with the water changing like that, what are the different species that you see like dirt certain times? Um, I mean, year round, you can find most of the species I mentioned. Um, winter, obviously, like late winter, uh, you're going to see like wahoo and stuff like that. A summer's mahi time, like uh, even towards the end of March, you get big bulls that roll through. You go out, look for weed lines or you look for breaks or you look for floating stuff and um, you can pop some nice mahi. Um, throughout the year, there's there's hogfish, there's grouper, et cetera. We've got uh, pretty good regulations. I think the Florida Fish and Wildlife, uh, which is like the conservation uh, commission that deals with with uh, all the regulations, does a really good job at regulating uh, seasons and, and keeping track of everything. So um, a lot of the year, you'll, you'll see grouper and you'll see hogfish and you'll see muttons and whatnot all around. Um, but there's a lot of closed seasons, uh, for instance, for, for grouper, for hogfish, for lobster. Uh, etc which keeps all the stocks healthy which is like i mean a privilege to have like i've seen videos from places where you have to dive 50 meters to shoot what we can go shoot in 20 feet of water uh so you know there's there's got to be something that we're doing we're doing right over here for sure um but yeah i mean you can go out any time of year and shoot something cool in south florida um uh it's it it honestly is is pretty cool and especially because where we're at uh it doesn't you don't have to go far to get into deeper water um, so it's not like you're in the Gulf, even on the Gulf coast of, of Florida, you got to run out far to get to deep water. Even once you get, uh, up towards central and, and Northern Florida, you got to run far for us. Like, like I said, we can dive off the beach and go shoot muttons and grouper and hogs and catch lobster and come in. Like that's what I grew up doing in, when I was in, in high school. And when I first started spearfishing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, spent a little time on the Gulf side and we had to run out about 50 miles to get in deeper water for work. But I mean, I was a trip. And uh, with you, like, uh, what I've also noticed about down there, I've seen pictures of some monster Wahoo. And like, you guys seem like you have a pretty special fishery where you're getting a lot of these pelagic that roll through. And there are some monsters. And I've heard about bluefin too rolling through down there. Yeah. We, just, uh, we have the Gulf Stream, which, which, uh, brings like just, nutrient rich amazing water um and especially when you get so around like jupiter basically like where the state of florida like comes out uh the gulf stream is actually in like decently shallow water um and that just makes for an incredible fishery like you said um the wahoo don't get as big over here uh they get monster ones in the gulf around the rigs and stuff and they get monster wahoo uh around the islands uh in the bahamas and whatnot um and i mean people will catch the odd big wahoo around here um, but you go down to like K Sal in the Bahamas, uh, and there's 100, 100 plus pound wahoo down there that guys usually uh, catch uh, fishing. Um, if you're in the Bahamas, you got to be on full spears or slings. So uh, if you know who like Luke Malis is and Brad from Headhunter and all them, those are the guys that have actually uh, taken shots at wahoo and stuff like that on pull spears, like primitive gear. This is the ultimate like badass stuff. Um, it's literally like shooting fish with toothpicks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hey, there's, there's, we can't, uh, you can't shoot bluefin. Uh, I, I don't even know how you would target bluefin, but guys will catch them accidentally, like sword fishing and stuff, deep dropping. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just, we really do have such a cool fishery, uh, here and we're definitely, we're definitely lucky. I mean, I've been out to California. I like, I like everything that's there, but you guys are very seasonal. Um, whereas, like I said, we can go year round and there's, there's going to be something you can bring home, uh, to eat, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we have our we have our moments too. I mean, we have like three months there where everything kind of shuts down. 
three or four months, um, you might have to head to Baja or um, just start diving for reef fish just to stay, keep your lungs stretched out. Um, <laughs> but like the difference, I guess, with California versus Florida, for the most part, is like we don't really have to dive too deep, like that deep. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know some some guys that are badass, uh, pretty pretty deep divers, and they prefer hunting that deep stuff. And I mean, Ryan grew up in Florida. Um, Ryan hunts crazy deep stuff. Uh, I personally like. Eh, tell me where a good fish is shallow, and like that's where I want to go. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I like free diving, uh, but I like spear fishing more. Um, I mean, I'm the most comfortable 60, 80. That's cool, but like, I don't I don't want to be at 90, 120 feet laying down there, a spedo crawling to, to go shoot a grouper. Um, if I can do that in shallow, uh, for me, um, it's just as rewarding, I think, uh, especially just not stressing your body that limit. Like, I'm not a crazy great deep diver. Like, so you just wherever you can hunt, regardless of who you are, like, go do it and have fun doing it. And it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what you shoot at the end of the day as long as you're having fun. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to try to go after a dog tooth with a pole spear and see how that worked out. Like rig it up. That's what I mean, people in the Maldives do, right? They're they're doing it. Yeah, it's impressive. Uh, pole spear is a whole nother thing. I mean, I know the guys here uh, from Gatku were you know getting pole spear and doing all the records. It was like a rush to see if you can get a world record on the <laughs> pole spear. But uh, I was always like, I'm still trying to master this whole spear gun thing before I just jump <laughs> over. <laughs> so, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so um, what are some of the biggest, like, you, you mentioned sharks, like, um, and what well, I guess what are some experiences you've had, like some crazy stories down there in Florida or, or wherever uh, with some sharks? Because you guys got a lot of them on those wrecks. Yeah, we, we have um, we have big, big, big bull sharks uh, that, are, that are pretty mean, uh, especially hunting the wrecks in, like, Miami. Um, and we'll get chased off the wrecks pretty pretty quick just the sound of your boat, you hop in the water and they're there. And like, to me, it's not worth even trying to shoot something when you're around them. Cause you know, they're, they're going to get the fish. Like, uh, unless you're so unbelievably confident that you're going to get a stone shot on every fish that you shoot, like, it's just not worth it. Cause I would rather one, like let the fish keep swimming, wait another day till that shark's gone. Um, two, not bend a shaft, lose a slip tip, wreck a gun and get hurt myself, etc. Um, so hunting around the wrecks, uh miami there's a lot of a lot of big bull sharks i i honestly haven't even done the crazy cobia bull shark rodeo up north um there's a lot of guys that do it i, I think i'm gonna try it this year there's a, a kid named sebastian uh that's badass diver that's been doing it for a while uh, i think i'm gonna try and get out with him and, and give it a spin because he knows what he's doing um but i would say most of the shark experiences probably most interesting ones are in the bahamas uh, they're just a lot feisty over there and there's just a lot more of them. So we went to, this is maybe three or so years ago, we went to Tiger Beach. So like if you watched Shark Week last week, that's where like half the shows are filmed, right? Monster tiger sharks and you see everyone taking the, uh, the shots like fin riding them and doing all this ridiculous stuff that no one should do with sharks. So like we go there, we've never been there before and we're like, ah, like let's, let's, let's hang out with some tiger sharks, get some cool pictures and videos. So there's, uh, there's tiger sharks, bull sharks, lemon sharks. There's, there's, whatever you want there's reef sharks um so we're going around and like we're having so much fun with these big old tiger sharks and like they're there for the food um they know they're about to get fed and that's why they're chilling there so we're like feeding these sharks and petting them and and, and all the stuff you should not do like at all like 
but that's just like what our opinion we're like okay we see people do this all the time on social media like let's go do it so i'm getting like way overconfident with these sharks to the point where like i'm trying to like grab onto fins of like these bull sharks that are also cruising through because i'm like oh like they're probably all the same and like i i tried it one time and my buddy's got sitting there with the camera and i go up to the surface i'm like yo like trying to talk about what just happened and they're coming up at my fins and like going at me underwater my buddy's pushing them away uh, I look down, he's like, dude, dude, and I'm like, what? Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a false sense of confidence that you get from seeing footage at Tiger Beach. Uh, they're, they're not like the same as sharks in other places. Uh, and the bull sharks that hang out there aren't the same either. So that's definitely an interesting experience. I mean, we've had a lot of close calls just with sharks uh, rushing in at fish when guys have them up in their arms, grab them like that, trying to swim them up after they pull them out of a hole. Um, and uh, luckily we dive with a lot of people, like three or four people in the water to be able to prod them off. Um, and we move spots, like there's no point in really pushing your luck. Like, especially in the Bahamas, like you get bit. Uh, and if you don't have someone that knows what they're doing, how to treat that stuff, like you'd be in a really bad spot really quick. So to me, it's not, it's not worth it um, to risk it. Yeah, it, it seems like you're, it seems like you're pretty far, you know, from medical like proper medical care too. When yeah. You're out there. There's people that'll stitch you up, but like, there's not like, it depends on the Island that you're at too. Uh, there's, there's a million freaking islands in the Bahamas, but the last thing you want is to have a serious injury um, and be 50, 60, 70 miles away from like someone that can actually take care of you or save your life. Yeah. And it, and it's funny too, because it doesn't really matter on the sh size of the shark. People like see these little sharks and they're like, sometimes the little ones get really fired up and it's like, that thing will take your, will cut your artery just as much as the other thing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the sharks that were going for you at the surface, was it all just mainly the bull sharks or the tigers were too? So it, it's actually been, uh, it's usually like a little reef sharks that are cruising through. Um, we don't see bull sharks every time when we're in the Bahamas and the tigers or, I mean, if you're in West End, so that's where Tiger Beach is, um, the Tigers will be there. Um, I tried spearfishing, actually. This is actually a decent story. I tried shooting chum to use at Tiger Beach um, a couple miles away from Tiger Beach, and obviously the sharks are still cruising around there. And I shot a yellow jack, which is like um, anyone from Florida will know, like yellow jack, rainbow runners, like sharks love them. Like they absolutely love them. So I pop this yellow jack. I'm on a pull spear with a belt rail connected to it. And um, maybe 10, 15 feet away from the surface, two big bulls come out of absolutely nowhere, um, just start peeling away with this. My belt reel fries up and it's just stuck, and I just start getting dragged. Um, and I'm like, all right, like I'm losing all this stuff. I'm ready to pop my belt off. Last second, uh, sharks let go. We're using like cable slip tips, so eventually they'll either pull the fish off or they'll cut your cable slip tip, whatever it might be. I was lucky enough where uh, I got to keep my slip tip. They got the fish off and we were done. But I mean, uh, it really puts things into perspective getting getting thrashed around by by a shark like that. Like we're nowhere near uh, the apex predator when we're in the water. Like not even close. So <laughs> got to check yourself. So a lot of people get too confident. So when you're doing that though, do you have buddies like spotting you, especially within that shark area? And can you talk a little bit about that? How you guys run your little dive station or? Yeah, we usually got minimum one. Uh, <laughs> we we got minimum two people in the boat usually. One person to drive the boat, the other person to keep an eye, help people into the boat, grab gear, etc. And in the water, at least three people, four people. Um, is it? I mean, someone dives down, they go and they shoot a fish. It's rocked up. 
when you come up to the surface, you've got your belt reel and you're holding it tight so that fish doesn't get any further in there. You can't dive. You're stuck. You're, sta- you're hanging on to that fish. You've got your buddy there that's got to go down and extract that fish, right? And you also need someone to safety that person. Um, so, I mean, if you're diving with less than three people you're, uh, and you're hunting fish where you know you're, you're hunting bigger stuff, you know there's sharks around, like, uh, the more people, the better. Like, I'd rather fish get scared off um, than be in a situation where it's just me and one person uh, fending off 10 sharks, you know? Like, like I said, I, I guess maybe I just err on the side of caution with that stuff, but to me, it's just not worth it. Like, no fish is worth uh, your life. No fish is worth getting bit. No fish is worth your body's life. So um, we try to we try to be as safe as possible doing that stuff just because you never know when or why something's going to happen. I feel like three is the magic number. Like, honestly, because when, especially for us, if we're doing deeper drops, you know, you got somebody diving, you got somebody diving, then you've got somebody recovering, and then you've got somebody already breathed up, ready to help and spot the guy. So, I th- yeah, we do the same thing. We've done it when we shoot a fish, and you know, you've got to get down to that fish while your buddy, if there's a deep drop, he's coming up. And with the smaller shark, we can grab the fish and kind of like state our <laughs> state our claim on it, and they kind of back off. Uh, this isn't with bull sharks or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, we found that that kind of works. And then somebody's spotting you if they need a second shot or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, good stuff. And then where have you traveled? Have you had any traveling plans in here and the travel plans in the future or what? Um, I mean, with the COVID stuff, it's kind of thrown a wrench into everything. Like last year, got to go to Panama, got to do some cool trips, cruising around California. Um, and this year kind of threw a wrench into that. But we did have a window to be able to go to the Bahamas, so we went and stayed in Andros for a week. Um, me and uh, five of my buddies, uh, we drive the boat over from Port Lauderdale. Um, I think it was, uh, don't quote me on the distance, but it was it was, it was a long trip. Yeah, okay. we, well, we, we went down and you got to go around uh, the, the west side of Andros and come down past the tongue of the ocean and come down to the east side of it. Um, but it was, it was an awesome trip. I mean, especially just cause none of us had really gotten to travel or do much, um, lately. And we got like super lucky. I never dove there and none of my buddies ever had. And we lucked out because apparently there's, that's the time of the year when, uh, the sharks, uh, the reef sharks there are spawning. So they're not actually in that area as bad. Um, we also hit a full moon. So we had schools of a hundred mutton snapper cruising by, um, which is like my favorite fish to freaking hunt and just a lot of cuberas, big groupers, like just an absolute awesome trip. Um, so that was a blast. And, uh, it's, it's probably, probably the most we could do is, as far as international travel during all this right. Um, right now, but I'm definitely, uh, definitely trying, I mean, depending on where all this stuff goes and the travel restrictions, like just, uh, experiencing more that's in the U S like you can go to Louisiana and shoot Yelp and tuna. You can go, so North Carolina and shoot monster wahoo, giant APs, huge hogfish. Um, and the same goes for most of the areas in the southeast region, or you can go all the way up to Rhode Island. And there's there's so many cool places in, in just in the U.S. to go hunt fish and shoot something crazy cool. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to, to trying to do some of that stuff, uh, stay within the United States and do that. You kind of hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, the U.S. is really like you're talking about the Gulf Coast is unreal um yeah uh and then you know we've got our stuff out here and then florida's totally different with their you know um so how was panama when you went down there what were you did you go down there for yellowfin too or just yeah panama panama is another heartbreak story 
Um, so, yeah, I know you're going to eventually ask a, a big fish, like, and... Uh, I forgot about the Wahoo story. I got to ask you about the Wahoo yeah, story. Yeah, so, so Wahoo is, like, it's just, like, the... It's, like, a curse. Uh, but now the same goes for, like, yellowfin tuna, too. So I've kind of put it all down and just calling it, like, a blue water curse, I guess. But, yeah, I went down to Panama um, last year. Uh, my buddy Arno runs an operation down there called, like, the Plague Tanable Bank. And my buddy Nick went down there with me because uh, he speaks Spanish and I don't. So we, we go down there and um, shooting shooting uh, other guns, these monster hybrid wongs, uh, and dude, like I could I couldn't hit anything. Like it was the most heartbreaking thing. Like you hop in the water, it's the most like intense performance driven thing that I've ever done. Like you're cruising around this little panga going. 30 miles an hour and you're chasing after dolphins and some dude's like, throw it, throw it, throw it. So you float, you throw your float five seconds later, you toss your body and you immediately just drop down to the bottom. You see pods of dolphins cruising through it. And then you just see these like sickles, dude, massive, massive yellowfin, like hundred, 200 pound fish. Um, and you're trying to shoot at this like target that's moving and you're so excited. And like, I mean, no lie. I probably shot at and missed like 20, 25 fish. Like, it's, it is the most heartbreaking thing ever. Like I, I was, I was shooting so, uh, so I don't even know what to call it, but I was literally shooting and the cable shooting line was running over their backs and they would turn on their side and shake off the cable over their sickle. And, uh, it was like, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but one of the coolest experiences ever. Um, so I mean, with spearfishing, it's, it's usually this, the fish you don't get and, uh, the fish that get away that like keep you wanting to keep doing it. Um, so Panama, like as soon as I can get back over there, I'm going back to Panama, I'm popping a yellowfin, I'm going to do it. Um, Wahoo, same, same old story, except almost, almost worse to the extent where like I've been all up and down the East coast, um, from, uh, North Carolina all the way down to Puerto Rico. And I've probably seen like a hundred Wahoo. Um, and like, and like, and like probably like 75 of those Wahoo's probably could have shot. <laughs> uh, and uh just missing uh muzzle wraps uh hitting fish and, and it just not penetrating like everything in the book that could possibly happen like has happened with me and wahoo um so it's definitely like my white whale is is the wahoo uh and it sucks too because like you just see people that are like the first time they go out they just pop on they just stone it um and then like i've gone out so many times hundreds of times looking for wahoo all over the place and have gotten the opportunities to just blow it like bad shot wrong gear wrong gun miss whatever it might be scare the fish off like the the first half of that is probably just learning like how they behave i guess and just scaring them all off you know um but yeah the white whale is definitely the wahoo um and now the, the yellowfin has hopped in there as well so i'll probably just stick to hunting uh reefs because i know i can hit those fish <laughs> well I, I want to ask you how do you like to cook your snapper, but I don't want to go past the uh, the yellowfin and the wahoo. <laughs> it's it's probably I, better if we keep moving on. Yeah. I have I've met, taken two shots at wahoo in my life, and the first one I hit it in the dorsal and it knocked it over, and and then the other time I was like I'll aim a little lower this time, right under its belly, and then that was it. Uh, I've seen buddies try to land them and they get sharked and. We've got quite a few, but I that was it. I was like, oh, I gotta get a Wahoo. I gotta just check that box off. I don't care how big it is. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, you're not the only one. I get it. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that have it, but uh, not as many people that have fucked up as many opportunities as me, I don't think. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, you know, it's really about opportunities, but yeah. I've been given opportunities. opportunities. I just haven't closed the deal, um, but it'll <laughs> happen, you know. Like I yep. said, that's what keeps you coming back every time. It's usually the fish that you don't get, so. Yeah, it's a drug, man, for sure. Um, the what ifs, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that yellowfin, it's pretty much, it sounds like bluefin when you're hunting bluefin, pretty much like uh, where you're just going, going, going. Fight. There's nothing, uh, for depending on the school, it's like you just jump in and you just go push a dive. You meter him and you just push a dive. And there's nothing like breathe up and spiritual about it all. I, I equivalent to like being in a football game where it's like, here we go, <laughs> here we go. It's like you're trying to hold your breath and you're getting vortex and you're like, are you kidding me? Waiting for the shot. Yeah. So why do you think you were missing so many times? Like, was it just the, the gun you weren't used to the recoil of a bigger wooden gun or? Um, I, I'd like to blame it on the gear. I think a lot of it was just like getting in my own head uh, after missing a few. Um, but I was using, I, I only shoot rear handle guns. Like that's what I've always shot. Um, so I'm used to rear handles. This gun is a mid handle and it's a hybrid. So like that muzzle kicks, like you've got a big chunk of wood and then a carbon tube on the end and five 16 millimeter bands um, shooting a nine millimeter shaft that drops as it goes too. So Arno's like sitting there giving me the, the debrief and like this guy's shot so many elephant tuna. Like it's like, it's like a walk in the park for him. And he's like, yeah, no, you just leave the fish. They're swimming this. And like, they don't vortex. Uh, at least I didn't, I didn't see a vortex like the bluefin do where they're like boiling and just once by right. these fish are just going. So it's like, if you're looking at a screen, these fish are just flying across and, you just try to line up and lead them and shoot her. So he's like, yeah, you got to lead them, but you also got to remember your nine mil shaft drops. So you got to aim a little bit higher. So I'm like, okay, I aim a little bit high and I do this and I shoot. And like, he's also like, oh yeah, the guy, like the week before you snapped his wrist shooting one of these guns. So I'm like fully bracing the gun, trying to aim, trying to lead the fish, trying to shoot slightly above the fish. Like so many things going on in my head um, and just whiffing it. And my buddy Nick hops in like first, first shot that he takes smokes one, like a hundred pound fucking yellowfin. Um, yeah, I'm like so so stoked for him, but like you know you know when it happens, like when when someone uh -huh. else gets a fish and you're like, man, I wish that was me, and you're just like, I'm down to help you, like I'll put a second shot, I'll do this and that, but you're like, oh god, and then like the pressure's on, just like now I gotta get mine. Um, so I mean, so much of it I think was like mental, just being in my head. Um, but definitely, uh, needless to say, like next time I go down there, I'm shooting my own guns that I'm that I'm comfortable shooting um and going into it with gear that I'm, I'm comfortable with i think that's like a mistake a lot of people make is just like uh you go on a charter you go on a trip and someone just hands you this gun they're like go shoot it like um you hope it shoots true and you hope there's no like learning curve to it but like fact of the matter is a lot of guns are, are not designed uh by physics and science uh they're they're sticks with shafts on bands um and there's like a there's a, a trick to them like shooting high or shooting the, in this way or whatever it might be um, but yeah, I'd like to make a million excuses for myself, but at the end of the day, like I just missed, man, <laughs> yeah, I missed, I got into my head about it and it psyched you out. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Yeah. It's, um, so was the visibility really good out there or is it kind of it's murky? Crystal, crystal clear, like offshore, oh, okay. you're in this beautiful blue water. There's guys running other boats around with like big, uh, big old, uh, bow pulpits on them, slinging, uh, poppers at these fish. And then there's the commercial fishing boats cruising around. And then there's, then there's you like cruising around with your, with your, uh, you guys using like the, the uh, tuna boards. 
because uh, we were using boards instead of uh, normal float. Yeah. Yeah. So we're sitting with those on our laps, like you're sitting there with the bungee and this massive freaking gun that like the last thing you want to do is miss and have to reload this thing again because it's the biggest pain in the ass. Um, it's it's so hyped. It's so cool. Uh, and it is also a real big heartbreaker when you miss. <laughs> yeah. So those balsa awards, I actually told, I think I talked to your friend. Um, he is saying that they've taken them down at 250 meters the fish and they make them about they're about 40 pounds or uh, 50 pounds positive i guess so they don't put as much drag on the fish the way that like some of the other floats do the heavier bigger floats and they just let them take them down and that way the fish gets tired out he said i think he said the longest one that's been down was either five or seven minutes or something like that yeah i watched a couple floats go he's got he's got his own way of doing things there and it works for him um, a lot of guys like to set up like a stage buoy system where they've got a hundred foot bungee and a buoy and then another bungee and another buoy. Um, he sticks to the tuna boards in a 50 foot bungee, um, and he lands a lot of fish. Uh, so just goes to show whatever, whatever works for you. Uh, oh yeah. It's like, there's more than one ways to skin a cat. I mean, there's definitely the concepts that I'll apply, but you can apply those concepts in many various different ways too. Have they ever tried like chumming for the yellowfin down there? Because I know yellowfin, like you're saying, they just they're darting, they're going. Yeah. So go ahead. There, there are guys that do it. Um, other, other like charter operations, I guess. But this is just the way that Arno does it. That's how he likes to do it. It's definitely the most exhilarating way of doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, albeit, I at the end of uh, the two days of hunting, um, I put on dude probably like 200 dives. Uh, it's crazy. But at the end of that, I was like, yeah, I'd like to just sit on top of a flasher and just chum these things up and go, like, take a shot like that. Um, but, yeah, you can you can do it that way. There are guys that do it that way. I mean, you've probably seen the videos from, like, Ascension and all those ridiculous Jurassic Park islands where the tuna just come right up to you. Um, and people, you, you can't shoot the elephant like that as well. Uh, it's just not how Arno does it, and that's not how we did it. Every reef, it seems like the fish behave a little different. Like, you can generalize, but... Really, it's like they fall into one category or another. I mean, we just well, we went on a recent trip and it was like, uh, okay, we don't the way on this particular day at this spot, we could die and bomb them. We couldn't have sped because once you go down, they leave, they look at you and they don't come back. <laughs> so it was like the only way to get the grouper is when they're coming up and they're looking at you as you're dropping like slowly, you know, just super slow and meet them halfway and tag them and then come up. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's that, I think that's the thing that, like you were talking about, though, that keeps you coming back. I mean, 200 dives, 20 missed shots, like, <laughs> now that you, but now that you're mentally prepared, when you go back with your gear, uh, you know, as long as you can penetrate, like, it should be a massacre. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely sure. ready to, to get my uh, redemption for sure. That a boy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think we all have those fish like that, too. And I totally know what you're talking about where it's like you just lost the fish of your lifetime and your buddy just landed his and you're like, well, all right. Yeah. So, it's tough, um, but it's, you gotta be stoked for him at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you're, so you're planning to go back to Panama when this whole COVID thing is over. Like, what are some dreams trips for you though? Like, what are, um, I would love to go over like Tahiti, Fiji, like th those places where like, the, the insane fish are like the fish that have never seen humans like the monster dog tooth tuna the triple digit wahoo like one thing i really really want to shoot is uh like a uku like a job fish so bad um 
I want to shoot one of those. I don't know why that's like a fish I really, really want to hunt. I've never gotten the opportunity to do it, but that's definitely on the list. But those those areas over there are just absolutely insane. Like um, Fiji, like Tahiti, like yeah, Jaga Cross, uh, Crossingham, yeah. Nottingham, one of those names, and then uh, Gerard yeah. Grave. Uh, there's just uh, it looks it looks amazing, and just like like look the location in general, and they've got these massive pinnacles and just wahoo as far as the eye can see. Um, so that's definitely the dream is to get out there and hunt some of those fish. Yeah, the world records are just waiting there. Like, uh, what's his face? I I forgot. I think it was Josh, the guy from Australia, got two world records: a wahoo and a dog tooth. Yeah, yeah, there's there's so much that goes into it that that from the outside looking in, like people wouldn't get. Like for instance, like literally trying to make lobster mac and cheese right for for dinner, and we go out, and we catch lobster, and like usually we do it the easy way, like just grill them, eat. Um, but like you think about it, like the amount of money that goes in, like you go out on the boat, you spend your money on gas, you spend your time doing that. You go to the store, you buy all this stuff to make like this dish. You're probably in it like $150, $200 to make this uh, this fish or this lobster that you just shot or you just caught. Um, and no one really sees that. They're like, oh, that's so cool. You like catch your food. Like that's, you're like saving so much money. Um, but like it, we're all in this because we love it. Not because it's like, not because it's cheap. Uh, not because it's easy like none of those none of it's those the things. most inefficient way to do like i joke around about it. it's the most inefficient way to get fish to eat it's like when you think about it i could go to the store or i could spend all day sh- hoping to shoot you know a fish yeah and, you gotta love it you you absolutely uh, have to love it and be passionate about it uh because otherwise like if you calculate the dollars that people spend or that we spend on traveling on our gear on um, the boats and the gas to go in them and all that stuff like it's insane like it's not a cheap hobby oh yeah we just did that one trip and it was like okay i just bent a shaft all right there's 90 bucks and i just broke this this uh knife or oh, i lost the knife there's you know 30 bucks and it just starts adding up and you're like oh i need to get that i really need to get this <laughs> shaft it's been, uh what do you think as far as you as a spear fisherman progressing your next step is clearly going back to panama i'm assuming and shooting one of those yellow fins um i mean i honestly uh for me it's like i just like to have fun doing it um whether it's like i said doing the stuff that i grew up doing going diving off the beach or going out locally and shooting hogfish in shallow um or if it is doing like one of those once in a lifetime trips you go shoot yellowfin or you go all the way to the islands uh pacific islands and do that stuff um i think my goals are uh you know they they come and go and like the the drive to want to actually go out and shoot fish also comes and goes like with life there's so many other obstacles thrown at your way with uh business and stuff and family and other priorities um that you got to worry about where sometimes like spearfishing takes a back seat um but I'd say, I'd say for me, like one of the most fun things I've had is like introducing other people uh, to the sport and like watching other people shoot their first fish and doing that is an absolute blast. Um, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I love, uh, my biggest thing is like the, the best way to like get better at anything is like doing it with people that are, you know, uh, going diving with people that are better than you, um, going spearfishing with people that are better than you, watching videos, learning from them. Um, so I think as far as like my spearfishing progression, it's just to continuously always die with people that are way better than me, way more experienced and have like a lot more to teach me. Um, because like, that's, that's the best way to learn, dude, is to go out with the guy that's been doing this forever, the girl or whoever it is. Um, I think, uh, growing in, in spearfishing is about putting in the time, um, 
being willing to lose a lot of money on gear and uh, all the other investments that go along with it um, and dive in with people that are fun and that dive safe and that can teach you. So, I mean, that's, I think for me, like that's, uh, all I, want. I just want to dive with people that are better than me. And that can those are, that, that's a stuff. great point. That's a great point. Like number one, safety, right. And then number two, dive with people that are better than you. And then that kind of forces you to be humble. If you in order to do that, you got to be humble. Like, uh, you know, so, so many people and other facets of my life, like I've seen them afraid to swallow their pride. And it's like, look, I don't, you can't get better if you just like, if you, uh, I don't know, just are resistant or stubborn in your own ways, be flexible, like bamboo, like Bruce Lee said, you must take the shape of whatever you like water, be like water to, I mean, it's funny, but it's true. It's like, man, that guy was smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely got to swallow your pride. And I mean, like, you can ask anyone. I'll be the first person to tell people that I miss fish all the time. I'm not the deepest diver, like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's fun. Like, I do it for the fun of it. Like, I don't care about world records. I don't care about shooting a bigger fish than my friend. Like, I just care about being safe, having fun. And at the end of the day, if you come home uh, with some quality fish, you can, you know, gather around and eat fish. Like, that's also probably one of my favorite things is, like, when you pop, like, a nice fish and you can – hit people up and say, like, hey, I've got fresh fish. Like, do you want some fish? And like seeing how other people cook it or inviting a bunch of people over to like eat food and whatnot. Um, and like you went out and you got that for them. Uh, that's like one of the most awesome and definitely like a humbling experience as well that goes along with it. Um, but yeah, you got to be humble in spearfishing. Yeah. So how do you like to cook your snapper? Um, so actually, you'll, you'll find this funny. Uh, quite a few people, quite a few people know this about me, but like I grew up like fishing and, and all that and like uh, always had fresh fish and whatnot. I didn't like fish though. Like I hated fish. Me too. Up, like my parents had a trick me. They called it chicken. They called it whatever. Obviously, like as a kid, like you, you're like, I, yo, I went out fishing with dad. We caught dolphin today. Like this is not chicken that we're about to eat. I know for a fact. Um, so I didn't even like fish for for a long time. Fish, lobster, etc. Like we would go out and catch lobster off the beach, come in and sell them to people, and then go buy like dinner somewhere. Like go get steak. Um, and it took me, it took me a little while. Um, it took some like creative cooking and like learning recipes and stuff and like seasoning fish and like taking proper care of the fish too, like weeding fish, um, cleaning them right, um, putting them on ice and whatever, taking care of your catch basically, um, to, to really start respecting and enjoying fish, I think. Um, so if the question is, what's my favorite way to cook snapper? It's always been like fish tacos. Um, but ceviche uh -huh. is, is coming up on being, being a favorite for sure. Uh, mutton snapper ceviche, hawkfish ceviche, uh, pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, um, I I feel like uh, same thing where you're growing up and it's like fish, ugh, fish, uh, and then you go to a restaurant, and you get fish, and you're like, how come my fish doesn't taste like that? Like that tastes really good. And I think that was when the light bulb kind of went off to me, like maybe I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's some, exactly you know, what it was. Yeah, it was, it was and, doing it wrong. Yeah, and then and then it was like, oh, okay, like. Like I, we just went on a trip and we shot some snapper and I came back and uh, we actually, I'm like, we're going to have fish and chips. So I just, you know, bread it and fried it. And the kids were like, wow, it's so good. It's so good. And I was like, okay, so the kids will eat it. So that's good. Yeah. It's now, I mean, the last several years, it's finally been able to like, that's how I like to cook that fish. And that's yeah. how I like to cook that fish. And it definitely helps. Um, yeah. Another, I don't, do you guys have Chick-fil-A's in California? Oh Yeah. Okay, so so this is probably 
definitely one of my favorites for snapper is uh, just normal breading fried fish and dip them in Chick-fil-A sauce. It is, it is so good. It is literally like amazing. My buddy, my buddy was doing it. This like two years ago, you know, two years ago. And I was like, dude, that's so weird. Like pulls out an old packet of Chick-fil-A sauce and puts it on there. Um, and I tried it and I was like, holy shit, this is like amazing. So that's like one of the go-to ways is just quick and easy, like chop up a bunch of chunks, bread them, fry them, dip it in Chick-fil-A sauce, have some rice or like French fries or something with it. Amazing. Easy too. That, that's so you guys all hear that. That's awesome stuff there. I mean. My son loves Chick-fil-A, so he'll probably love that too. Um, Chick-fil-A sauce, it's the move. That's, that's it. I really want to try that now. And I got Snapper downstairs. I think I'm going to do that. Uh, there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Nick. That's great. Um, so we're pretty much out of time. We could probably wrap this up. I know you're busy. Um, but uh, how can how can people contact you? Uh, what is you know, Everybody knows Spear Channel, for the most part, is your IG account. Uh, your Facebook, though, um, the Spirit Channel Facebook, can you talk a little bit about that, I guess? Um, Facebook is uh, kind of like a different animal than, than Instagram. Uh, the original goal was to have like uh, longer length videos posted there. Uh, however, the YouTube craze has kind of put a damper on that because everyone just wants their long videos on YouTube um, as opposed to Facebook. Um, but Facebook, you know, it exists. It's up and running. It's a different audience. Uh, usually a lot more of an older audience, um, actually, but it's kicking. Uh, that's uh, facebook.com forward slash beer channel. Um, everyone knows where to find it on Instagram. Um, Spearchannel.com. You can go put your, your email in and we'll email you whenever the website's ready, which is hopefully soon. Like, hope, hope you're listening to that. Um, and then my personal stuff. Uh, you can hit me up. I have an Instagram as well. It's uh, at Nick T Watkins. Um, don't post as much there. You might see some uh, dog content. <laughs> uh, but it's mostly spearfishing yeah. and diving. Um, and yeah, uh, you can hit me on email, Nick at spearchannel.com. Uh, one thing, and people actually get offended by this a lot, is they're like, uh, I DM'd you on Spear Channel, and you never got back to me. So uh, if a DM ends up in the request, and I don't see it, which like a lot of the times I don't because they just get flooded with stuff. I, I might never ever see that message. Uh, so uh, I've literally like guys that I dove with after fact were like, yo, I thought you were gonna be a dick. Like I DM'd you a video on Spear Channel and you never replied to it. And I was like, dude, like I honestly like let me go look. Like I never even saw it. Uh, but yeah, so if you can't get me uh, on Spear Channel, like maybe hit me on my personal thing or comment on a post and say like, yo, check your DMs, dude. Um, so yeah, bunch of places to reach me, hit me up, uh, any ideas or projects, or if you think you have a cool skill and want to be a part of the Spear Channel team, uh, climb aboard. I'm uh, definitely, definitely always open to new stuff and new diving buddies. Like I'm in South Florida. If anyone wants to dive, uh, I got to come visit you in California. I'm two years deep oh, yeah, absolutely. out there for bluefin with uh, no bluefin. So that also is a thing. Oh, that that's a whole thing for a lot of people. I mean, it's weird. It'll just be on one week and then it'll be shot. I've gone out like 30 times last year, shot three, and that happened to be – I went out twice that one week and then that was it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you just got to be stubborn and persistent. That's it. Um, but absolutely, come on out and uh, we'll go out. Uh, we just got a new boat, so it'll be not. it's bigger, it's nicer. So, yeah, it'll be awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Nick, for everything you're doing. 
and getting the content out to the community. And thank you for uh, always being super supportive with me as well and just chatting up, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and, dude, uh, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And it's, it's always cool to talk and chat and put myself out there a little bit more as well. Um, people see the videos and actually it's funny. Like I post my own videos a lot too. Uh, but like, I never say like, this is me doing it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool to, to put myself out there more too and, and get better connected and better acquainted with other people in the community. And like, like you said, like it, there's so much of the pie that everyone can, can share it. Like, I love working with you and chatting with you and brainstorming with you and like gotta have spear factor podcast sit on spearchannel.com. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. I've talked to the noob guys too. Those guys are great. Uh, Isaac's great too. Just a real nice dude. He'd probably love to do it as well. Um, sure. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Have a good night, man. We're going to try to dig into some uh, lobster mac and cheese. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Have a good one, man. Okay. So that concludes the show for today. I hope you guys found it interesting and enjoyable and informative all at the same time. Uh, Once again, appreciate all the support. If you'd like to further support, you can head over to the Patreon page, Patreon forward slash Spear Factor. Until next time, happy hunting and stay safe. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.